Guys, welcome back to the Physique Factory podcast. And today we've got a special guest, Jawade from M10 Gym. So, Jawade, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and stuff like that? Yeah, this is the game show now. So, I'm going to introduce myself. I'm Jawade. <laughs> I've been in the industry about seven years now, and I've been at M10 for the past three. And I work with general population clients, and I'm on the mentorship now as a mentor as well. And I've just got a real passion for transformations, if, to, to sum it all up in a, a simple word. So it's getting someone from A to B in the most efficient and effective way possible. And yeah, just a passion for mechanics as well. If you've seen my Instagram, you probably will know that as well. <laughs> Wicked. Yeah, we're, in a, we're all on the Integra course together, so that's how we like, know each other. We've got Dwayne on the podcast like from there. And um, yeah, mechanics is such a big thing when we're training people in the gym, and it's often overlooked by people just thinking movements and copying shit off Instagram. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a minefield, isn't it? Like, especially when you start going down a rabbit hole, it's like, where does it stop? And you can, you, once you go in, you, you can be there for a couple of years and still be scratching your head afterwards, like, what's going on here? So. I think that's the best way to think about it, though. You can't just think, right, I know everything, and then you just train everyone. You always need to think, right, what's next, what we're missing? Because every time I'm training someone, I'm like, there's got to be something else, so there's another reason, or you can just go really deep into it and just keep carrying on. And that's how we all improve and get to that mastery sort of stuff. Yeah. I don't know if I'll ever get to mastery. Yeah, not, not mastery, but, you know, that journey to it or wherever. Um, going back to the start, Jude, um, I just wanted to ask you, like, what, what did you do before you were at M10? Where did you work before that? Bloody hell, I was working in cardiovascular rehab program. Oh, wow. um, yeah, and like, that was like for the, the NHS. And it was getting people after they've had like heart trauma, so cardiovascular disease, a lot of bypasses, etc. And working through that and with that, it was like, yes, I'm helping these people. But oftentimes mm -hmm. it was too late. It was like after the fact. So like, people that were a lot older, people that already led a, a lifestyle of choices that weren't congruent with their health and then it was like once I got to me it was it was kind of like not too late but the intervention of time for intervention had already passed so then it was like okay then I'm going to go back into the gym because I'd already had my PT qualification at this point I'm going to go back into the gym and see kind of like a prehab quote unquote um, rather than the rehab side of things so it's like can we get these people beforehand and that's when I went back into the gym and started working on some health projects before getting back into the gym, into the gym. I hope you didn't tell them that at that point. It's like, look, oh. you're fucked. As long as you help you. <laughs> Not so many words. It was like... <laughs> it's eye-opening because like, at that stage as well, people don't really understand that the choices that they've made are the thing that's causing them to be where they are. So even though they've had these health scares, they're kind of like still ingrained within these certain habits, these certain choices. And... Once it's been there for like 30 years, it's really difficult to, to kind of break that and change that. What is, um, what's the biggest consistency you've seen with these people that were at that stage that had these cardiovascular problems? Quality of life, like massively impacted quality of life. And I don't think once you've been living a certain way for a certain amount of time, you don't really realise that your quality of life is impacted as much as it is because it's then your norm even though it's not normal, but because it's normal for you, you don't see any other way. So like when someone can't walk up the stairs and then you finally get them the strength to walk up the stairs, they're like, 
and it's just eye-opening to see how their quality of life is impacted but without them realising. Yeah, certainly. And in terms of like what got them to that in the first place, like whether it be like, I don't know, smoking, alcohol, poor lifestyle, what did you see the most there? Yeah, a lot of it was alcohol was a big one and just poor lifestyle and food choices. So a lot of people that I came across at least were overweight or had been overweight at some point in the past. Um, and then it was just kind of a snowball effect from there. Lack of movement, lack of understanding, lack of education, and then just stuck in that consistent lifestyle routine and pattern. And once you're there, it's difficult to, again, break and get out of it. It's a change in those behaviours, isn't it? When people have been doing it for so long, it's, uh, that's hard work in itself. And getting them to be consistent and adherent to the plan, that's going to get them to from point A to point B. And that's, that's the biggest... Um, thing to do isn't it yeah it's really interesting though how you've seen that now and you've you've come full circle and now you are like helping prevent that and it's almost a good thing to have behind you so you can be like not scaring your clients but you can almost say look i've seen what the downsides of staying the same is this is this is like this is um you know if you stay the way you are you're on a trajectory to this so if unless you change that's where you're headed and it's it's quite cool to have that kind of insight yeah, it, it's, it's good as well because like I think for me it highlighted the importance of getting there before then. So having conversations with people that are after the fact, like you remember that and you can kind of have a similar conversation but like kind of like seen in the future, it's like how would it feel if this were to happen and it was like, oh, I'm not very nice or da 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 and you can kind of gauge or start to explore things from there. Yeah, it's reframing their way of perceiving things, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It's one thing getting a physical transformation, but actually the health transformation for a lot of people will be far greater than, than that actual physical transformation. Yeah, and like that kind of shapes what I do now because like the before and afters are amazing, what I personally strive for. However, it's how does that before and after affect that person's life? So like if someone comes in with an issue, whatever it may be, it's like, most most likely it's going to kind of lose some weight or can I get into shape and what shape is is dependent on every different person but a lot of the times people will come to us with underlying issues that they may or may not realise so it's how can we get this person looking how they want to look but then also with them realising or not realising how can we get them to solve or rectify these underlying issues as well like I think that's what makes things so fun as well Definitely. Definitely. It's all good being threaded, but if you feel like shit and your health is shit, then it's kind of a waste of time. That's it's the like, last week of prep. <laughs> it's like painting a house that's fallen down on the inside. It's like, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, anyway, that sort of puts us in the direction of program design, which we invited you on to talk about. And it's such a big um, topic and it's vast. And so where do we actually start? Obviously, it depends on the person who comes in and what the goal is. Well, let's call it a scenario. Connor, what do you reckon? Call it the client. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put me in a spot like that. I'm, I'm just thinking myself straight away. <laughs> nah, um, so most of the people you work with, you said, what kind of general population? Something that interested me is, like, we all we all work with, like, what we call general population, just normal people. Um, basically, that means you're not a bodybuilder or a PT or something like that. You're not someone that you can just give a plan to 
and you'll stick to it straight away. So what I thought would be quite interesting is kind of delving into how you guys at M10, because you obviously do it very, very well there, how you guys take someone who is just a normal person who's never been introduced to all this kind of calorie counting and you know going to the gym and things like that, how do you take them from that to being this before and after picture? Because it's a hell of a lot harder than people realise. Yeah, massively, massively. And I think for me, the, the starting point, you did say like, where do we start? The starting point is the consultation and it's the consultation process like I start to gauge a picture of where someone's at by the level of detail doing the questionnaire that they fill in. So the level of detail will tell me first of all are they really or truly committed because if someone's just put in one word answer then that will doesn't mean they're not committed but it gives me an idea of the level I need to go in to be able to speak to that person in a way that they'll understand. And then the con that leads on to the consultation process where we start to outline the goals. And from my experience, I think if someone can visibly see or yeah, visually see where they're heading, it makes it a hell of a lot easier when you're asking them to do certain things that they will need to change in order to get there. If someone understands why they're changing things, they're more likely to do it and do it consistently. So I think for me, at least the starting point is before we get on the gym floor, before we go in the assessment room, it's actually the consultation where we work out what's going on, what you want, what the barriers are for you getting there, and we can start to map out your journey in a way that you can see, well, this is a barrier right now, this is how we'll knock it down, this is a barrier, this is how we'll knock it down, and then it just gives that you, as a client, confidence in, oh, this person actually can get me to where I want to be, but then a lot of clients will come in saying, I just want to lose a little bit, little bit of weight. What's a little bit of weight? What does it mean for you? Is the weight the most important thing or is it the feeling, the look, something else that's the most important thing? So just framing that from the outset is going to be really important. Definitely. I am. Um, we, well, we put out a questionnaire recently to some of our clients, just asking for like some feedback on like you know the way we run things, our coaching in general. And someone answered that. One of my clients answered it, and it was it was this anonymous thing. So I'm not sure who it was, but um, they put something about when we went through the consultation process. And I questioned them about how serious they were about their goal in the consultation. They said that really kind of got them, and they still think back to that to this very day. And like, I think if you can kind of, if you show them how serious you are about this, it's going to take them to that next level, isn't it? Or it's going to help take them to that next level. Yeah, massively, massively. Like the the consultation process that we have is quite extensive, but then it gives us the information that we need to start making that change. But it also allows them to take us seriously because a lot of times people will have had experience with other personal trainers and that's not knocking other personal trainers but the level of detail that we go into kind of sets the bar straight away to be this is where these guys are at or these people are at. They take me seriously as you just said which means I can take myself seriously and I think that initial buy-in is really important when you start getting a long journey. Definitely and do you like kind of set out some sort of standards that you want your clients to abide by because like in a way like you get those clients who as you say like you get one word answers in the questionnaires you get check-ins or maybe one word answers and turn up late to sessions and things like that like do you outline the standards like this is what we expect of you as a client of ours i don't i don't actually outline standards to begin with you know i think it's more of a, an expectation like I think for me, my first interaction is we'll have a phone call to set the consultation up or the initial chat up. And then straight after the phone call, I'll send them a message with this is what's going to happen in a step by step process when you first meet me. So, like, the level of detail, the level of attention that's there 
kind of just sets the process up and if someone is late, just nip it in the bush straight away. Like, obviously there might be a good reason, but I'm never late. So if I'm not late for you, you're not late for me kind of thing. And I think that the mutual respect is there from the beginning, but I think that's just how that first communication, that first couple of communications do, do actually happen. Yeah, definitely. I think it's like establishing their why as well, like how much they want it and what it means to them and what they're willing to do to, to get their results. Because every time I keep digging deep in like a consultation I do with a client saying, why do you want to achieve this? It's like, what's it going to mean? And just keep layering it on top. And then you can really see what it means to them. And then if they've got what it takes to get to where they want to be. Yeah, yeah. And you'll always find that there's something, whether they realise at the time or understand it, it's like 10 kilos suddenly turns into, oh, that was the time when I felt most comfortable in my skin. That was a time when I was confident. That was a time when I was successful at work. So then it's like, well, is it the 10 kilos or is it this other thing that you want to achieve that you just relate to the 10 kilos? And I think that's kind of like a starting point for everything else because where the mind goes, the body will normally follow. Yeah, I mean, like they could like want to drop that 10 kilograms and once they've done that they'd still be in the same spot and still be really unhappy and just getting down to the bottom of that and what what that is yeah so, just a skinnier unhappy person I'm going to throw a little curveball with this one though so like with the like exploring the why and things like that I definitely use that but there's clients or people I'll use it with and there's other people I won't use it with there's like some I want to say mostly guys there's some guys that I've got as clients that I'm like if I ask them that, they're just going to be like, what the fuck is he on about? Like, piss off me. I'm not into this gay shit. And, like, it's, like, it's definitely for some people and it's not for others. And those guys that I'm on about are generally the guys that, like, they know what they want and they're just going to do whatever you tell them to do. You know what I mean? There are definitely those clients where you don't really need to explore their why. They'll just do it. But, yeah, for, for a lot of people, I think it is hugely important. I find it with those clients is they want the results yesterday. And yeah. they just, they're not asked, they want something immediate. They're not asked about the whys or anything like that. They're just so, like, dopamine dominant and driven. And yeah. But then that comes from the questionnaire, right? Like, when someone puts what job they've got, and like, normally these people that you're speaking about will fit into a certain category of successful business people that run teams, do this, do that. So when you come across X amount of people, you can kind of, before you've been with you can get a measure of the level that you need to speak to. Because sometimes someone will sit down, as you say, just be like, ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready to go. Okay, let's go. <laughs> ideal. <And> that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's ideal. But um, I suppose, like, as you're saying, they're already highly motivated people. I suppose that's what we're kind of saying. And then some people maybe aren't so highly motivated and you need to help them find that motivation. Yeah, or well, they are motivated, but then it's motivated for the wrong reasons or different reasons to what they think they should be doing from what they see from whatever is going on and then what they should actually be doing in terms of getting their, themselves back on track. Yeah. yeah. It's a big thing for some people as well, actually like reaching out to a coach and admitting that they need help. That must be, must be a big thing for a lot of people. Yeah. It massively like, and it's not cheap as well, which is again, it's something that you can then anchor down into like you're here for a reason, whatever you've tried in the past, it, has it worked? And a lot of the times, if it's a yes, then why are you here? If it's a no, then okay, then maybe we need to do something a little bit differently. And I'm the person that can guide you from where you were and what you were doing to where you want to be and what will potentially need to change to get you there. 
But with the uh, with the consultation, do you ever find when you've done one and they miss out a lot of stuff, the clients? So you've done your consultation and assessment and then about four or six weeks in, they, they come up and say, oh, yeah, well, I broke my leg like a couple of years ago. <laughs> All the time. All the time. It's crazy, isn't it? There's a specific couple, actually, <laughs> that spring to mind, like, done the assessment, done the consultation, however many weeks into the training program on the shoulder press machine, one side is like, ah, oh, do you know it's a discrepancy between left and right? Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit easier on this side. Ah, oh, is there any reason why that may be? Oh, when I was a kid, um, eight years old, I broke my collarbone. Ah, oh, did you not mention that? No, I didn't think I needed to, it was so long ago. Did you rehab it? No. Hmm. So then that changes things. <laughs> you know, the part of the questionnaire that says, have you had any injuries, past or present? That's where yep. you probably put that in. Yeah, it was like, oh, nothing, nothing. And just going through saying, no, 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 no. And then you just find out it all as you're going along. <laughs> That's what makes things interesting as well, because like, I know we're here to speak about program design. So going into that, like you can go through the whole process of onboarding assessment. And then one, two sessions in, there's just a massive curve world. And you're like, I have to go back to the drawing board here with this one. And it's like, that's what makes it so interesting. That's it. It just keeps going and going. I mean, that's why doing someone like a one-off program or whatever those influencers sell isn't probably the best thing to do because you just need to adapt and change and there's always something else. Yeah. And like with one-off programs, I think it's really interesting because like a few people used to say, oh, can you do me a training plan? I don't need anything else. Well, I was like, you don't need anything else. Well, what's your goal? I want to build muscle. Okay, then how are you sleeping? How are you recovering? How is your nutrition? How is your stress? Because all these things are going to impact whatever training program I do give you. What's your history of injury? Can you exercise? Can you exercise and train to the intensity that you need to? Like all these things are going to impact that simple training program, which is the only thing you need. So yeah, like the one-off plans and programs are quite interesting, I find. That's it. It's all about how we like progress and periodize the training, not just the training, like nutrition, sleep, stress, digestion, and everything like that, what you just said. Yeah. If anyone ever asks me for one, I'm just going to play them that clip. Just <laughs> send them that. Yes. What's your stress like? What's your sleep like? What's your digestion like? That's <laughs> training program. Yeah. To be fair, like, I suppose you'll maybe get the odd person, I don't know, I'm thinking like some 17 year old that's not got any stress sleeping well blah 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 that like you maybe could just give a, pro a training program too and for them right in that moment it might be okay but nine times out of ten yeah you're going to need more in the training program most people need more help than they think they need like i find a lot of online clients they're like oh, i just need help with nutrition i don't really need anything with the training you're looking at their training you're like you need help with that <laughs> yeah massively I had, a, I had a guy come in uh i think it was last week or the week before he's got uh, arthritis in his wrist Arthritis came from um, a motorbike accident, accident. So I've just done my due diligence, gone through the assessment process. It's like, oh, I only need help with my upper body. That's the limitation. I was like, okay, that's sweet. I'm going to do just the assessment as a whole anyway, just for my own records kind of thing. Went to the lower body, massive discrepancies left to right. And it was a prime example as if this person just said they needed an upper body intervention. But then when we actually went through the process and actually looked at things, I was like, can you feel that? It's like, yeah. It's like, do you still just want to do what body? It's like, no. <laughs> but like, if I just took his word for it, it would have been like, oh, this is my focus area just because this is what he said in the questionnaire. So I think like sometimes, as you said, kind of 
when clients come in saying that they need just something specific, just going through your process as, an, as its entirety will potentially raise up things that they didn't know and you would miss if you just take a client's word for it. Definitely. It's like me going to the dentist and saying, I just need a fill in, mate. It's fine. The rest of the teeth are okay. Like, I've not got a fucking clue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what's the next step? So, we've got, we've basically been through consultation. So, you do an assessment. Um, I actually learned assessments from you guys as well when I'd done the M10 mentorship. So, you guys kind of run through like a, like just a, a full kind of mobility assessment sort of thing um, when you first take a client in. That'll be the first session. Is that right? Yeah, so the first session is the consultation and where we speak for the questionnaire and the assessment. Mm. And then we go through, like, it can be extensive, it may not. Again, completely person-dependent, like, so for the guy that came in with shoulder issues or arm issues, then the focus was primarily on upper body, but then we, I did do some lower body as well, so we do do lower body as well. And it's just to gauge where somebody's at, but when going through the assessment, it's important to remember the state that someone comes in, so like the time of day it may be, because if someone's came straight from work, then going back to the lifestyle factors, if they're really stressed, they might not be moving as freely as if they came in the morning or if they've done a little bit of yoga or a stretch or whatever else it may be. So the assessment is kind of just the, the first picture or the first snapshot where you can just get an idea of what someone is, what position someone's in, and that'll just give you the information to make the first programme and the first program may change one minute into session one because after they've done a few warm-up sets you can see well they haven't got 60 degrees of flexion they've got 85 but just because the assessment that was cold it presented itself as 60 degrees or whatever it may be so i think the assessment it's really important but it's important not to kind of just focus in and really think this is all this person's got it's just okay then this is what they present today this gives me an idea of how i'm going to go away create a program that Potentially as as Michael says, easy. it's an ongoing investigation, isn't it? Every session is, every exercise is. But um, yeah, like as you say, like if, if you're not doing some sort of like assessment, you're basically just giving them a generic training program. Yeah, and that's one of the things. Like when I don't get questioned anymore, I think just the authority in my voice must be different. But like when it was like, oh, we're going to do an assessment. People are like an assessment, and I'm like, yeah. I was like, why? I was like, well, if we don't do an assessment, I'll just Google full body program. Upper body program, you can yours. Like, That's a great answer. I get that a lot. I'm going to give them that just because yeah. I was like, oh, why do we need to waste time doing this? Because I don't have a clue what we need to do in the gym for you. It's really yeah. specific. And that's probably the best answer to give someone, isn't it? Yeah, like if we don't do this, we may as well literally, um, there's no need for me to be here. We can just Google it and save you hundreds of pounds. <laughs> <laughs> probably add hundreds of pounds up with the physio, bill, physio bills. So. But, um, I thought that was quite good what you said as well, obviously, about like, when are they coming in to do that assessment? Because, like, obviously, like, the tone in your muscle, it's nervous system that controls that. So if, like, if you've had a shit day at work, the ranges that you have available could be different to if you've, as you say, just woke up and done some yoga or something like that. It's all going to make a difference. So it's, like, not taking that as, um, you know, as this is the range they have and that's it. It's, like, here's a starting point. We know roughly what's going on with this person and taking it from their ongoing investigation as we go along. But I find when I do the assessments, like, sometimes I do them and I'm like, yeah. It was a bit pointless. I was not had really too much we had to like come up with there. And then other times I do them, I'm like, thank fuck we done that. I would not have liked to put you into like, you know, onto the leg press, knowing that your ankle flexion was as terrible as that. It's making sure those like assessments are 
like tailored to the individual because as you said before Dre, it sort of all changes depending on their goals so you do the consultation they do the forms and you go through right what's relevant for you to assess and then obviously you do the, the standard sort of assessments that you need to go through lower body upper body as well but you have like certain particular ones as well related to the to them and their goals yeah yeah massively like it gives you like say take an overweight person for example you might forego the majority of the assessment a because they may not be able to perform it and B, because their primary goal is going to be weight loss. And you might not like, even from like a static assessment standpoint, if someone is heavily overweight, you can't see their structure. So any potential imbalances that are there, you probably won't see. So when they've lost five, 10, however many kilos it needs to be, you can start to see their physique, then you come back in the assessment room and then you just layer on, okay, then today we'll do this upper body assessment because now we can actually see what's going on. But for that first phase, it's just going to get you moving get you from a stable and safe environment and then lose some weight. But then for somebody else, it's going to be completely different. That's really cool. That's good, though. Especially if you've got, like, an overweight person and, like, for example, I think one of the ones you guys had and it was, like, doing, like, a split squat, for example, like, you're not going to get someone that's 20 stone to do a split squat. You know that's not no. going to be appropriate. If you go into pure gym, you'll see a PT doing that with someone 100%. Box jumps. Yeah. But then with that caveat as well, like, sometimes people surprise you and it's, like, yeah. some people that you think probably won't be great at squatting, whatever great may be, they actually just drop down, ask the grass kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think that's where it's just being aware of different people as well. Because like if someone's overweight, even uh, the assessments in the assessment room, like can the couch hold their weight? Are they going to be able to get back down to the floor and get back up? Or are they going to get onto the couch and get back up like without being embarrassed? These kind of things you need to have a consideration for when dealing with these people as they come in. So it's just, again, it's person dependent, isn't it? And you said just a minute ago, James, like your assessment will be tailored. Like we have a framework of X amount of assessments, but sometimes you might only choose one of those because that's all that's appropriate at that time. That's it. It's important to have that framework though, isn't it? Cause you need to know, there needs to be like a base level where to start off with, and then you just choose and adapt it to the certain individual. Yeah. Yeah. And like, as you get a, a deep understanding of why you're performing these assessments and what the answers, what you can do with the answers, then you can start to pick and choose a little bit more freely because you understand what it means. So, like to begin with, like I'll probably go through most of the assessments or all of the assessments with most people, and then as you start understanding it a little bit better, you can start to say, oh, okay, then I need to can do this one now, I can do this one now. But, I think so it's all about progressing the assessments, isn't it? Yeah, I think the big take home from this bit is like if you're hiring a PT and they're just like there's no onboarding consultation process where you fill out like a form or come in and do like an assessment or that it's probably a red flag if you just go straight in for a session that's it and they just like beast you in session one probably a big red flag i've seen this a lot of times all the time first session to see someone signed up with a pt i was like oh what do you want to do today i was like oh i just want to do a bit of back went, cool yeah let's go just all the time i've probably done that in the past as well though like yeah let's go straight up straight on the gym floor and now it's like that's, be, that's why that client didn't get their goal. That's it. To be fair, in all fairness, that's it. When you do the PT qualification, it's shit, isn't it? It, it? It's a scratch of the surface. I mean, you've got to start somewhere, haven't you? You've got to learn the rules, and then as you go along, like doing your mentorship at M10, Integrity, you learn how to like, break those rules and make things individualised and learn all the assessment programming and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, it's huge, man. It's huge. And like, I think... I think you said it because we, we do cover it a lot on the Integra course, like the ongoing assessment, because even if someone hasn't done an assessment, 
if they're correcting someone's form as they go through a session, then that is kind of an assessment. It's not a formal assessment, but they're looking at how someone's performing an exercise at a certain rep and then saying, just tweak that slightly or tweak that slightly. And it's not as, it may not be considered as in-depth as a formal assessment, but it is still kind of an assessment. So if that's the level someone's at, that's great. You're still having enough consideration for where your client is. And the main thing is keeping them safe or trying our best to keep them safe. So if you're making tweaks during a set and you haven't done an assessment, that's still maybe just where you're at in terms of the best of your ability, which is all we can do at the end of the day. Definitely, it's more so. Like I'm more so saying, as a red flag, if um, if someone just has no consideration for you compared to the next person, like they just come in, you're getting beasted, out you go, job done. That's that's it. That's I saw this. When was it? I can't remember. It was on social media anyway. Um, just uh, someone battering all the clients of video and it putting it on the stories. That really annoys me. We've literally got the video, the camera in the hand, and the video of them like doing all like walking around them and all that sort of stuff, like dying on the floor. All the video of them literally falling down the stairs after a big leg day, and oh, it's so yeah. bad. Isn't it? I got triggered not too long ago. Seen I don't know what I don't know where I seen it, and I was like, oh my gosh, someone's paying you a considerable chunk of their salary. <laughs> <laughs> so you can video and say come on I'm taking on 10 more clients and I'm like you've got your fight in front of you <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder um, I wonder how those situations go down do they just like whip out their phone just randomly start recording or do they like warn the clients or what like I'd feel so awkward doing that no no they just whip out the phone I've seen it it's like straight out Instagram ah, have we scroll while you're there as well yeah it's absolutely bonkers I couldn't believe it and I was just like we knock on one after, after that, and I made a post and everything about it. <laughs> it's when you know you're angry. Yeah. I bet you get sacked at M10 for that, wouldn't you? Say that again? You'd get sacked at M10 for doing that, wouldn't you? Well, you wouldn't see that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it. It's definitely good having those sort of standards. And uh, to, to big you guys up, like I think doing the mentorship for me was like one of the best things I ever done because it just gave you that little introduction to everything you're going to possibly need dealing with normal people. Before I'd just done my own like bodybuilding, so like before I was before I came to you guys, it's just like everyone was like, right, that's the workout I do. You're getting that. You're doing leg day today. You're straight in leg day. No assessment. Fuck that. It doesn't matter if you're twenty kilos overweight or whether you're I don't know never trained in your life. You're getting my leg day. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things as well, like because a lot of people will stay there advanced in terms of training. I did it myself when I first started training. Oh yeah, I've been lifting for six years bench three plates that means I'm a bounced and then when I actually got taken through a set where someone cued me I was like I'm a beginner I'm a beginner <laughs> so if someone hadn't taken the time to go for an assessment and understand where I was that advanced program might have caused me harm and probably did over time because I've got some shoulder issues from being advanced so yeah it's um it's really interesting like when you say going on generic programs or the same program because I was doing like kind of like a bro split where you have a chest day, an arm day, a leg day, whatever else it may be. And I couldn't recover from that. Like my shoulders were finished every single session. My arms were finished and I'm like, well, why am I getting injured? But I have no understanding of how to program for myself, yet alone somebody else. Great deal, so. Yeah, well, great <laughs> <laughs> That's the main thing, as long as you've got great depth. So that's, no, that's no. all that matters. I want to So what was like the big eye opener for you when you actually went to M10, yeah? Yeah, it's huge, man. Like, it was huge just understanding that, as you said, everyone's different. And then, as you said, like the the education that you get, you get a broad scope of 
everything that you need to take someone through a transformation, whatever that transformation may be. And from there, you can just start to go delve into a little bit deeper the things that you're passionate about. And for me, I found that was mechanics, exercise, etc., etc. And once you started doing that, you actually then do see the individuality that people have and nobody is the same as anybody else. And it's for me, how do I program in a way that if someone comes to me for fat loss, but I see this, this and this happening in terms of their physiology, how can I rectify that with them knowing or potentially not knowing whilst getting them their main goal of fat loss or whatever it may be. So that's kind of the, the interesting side of things for me. It's like, how can we kind of triage this, these things that we see without them knowing or without it taken away from their overall goal because they might not care how many degrees of shoulder flexion they have but for me it's like well when you're picking up your soup can from the shelf are you in pain or not and if it's yes then how can we let you lose weight but then also get stronger in that position that's needed for everyday life that's it it's not wasting the client's time i get this all the time thinking right what do we need to put first with this um weight loss fat loss that's their like number one goal but they've got a lot of limitation in terms of range in like their hips, shoulders, all that kind of stuff. I've got some guy at the moment with, I don't know if you've heard it, slipped epiphysis. It's some crazy thing, literally where the, the head or the, yeah, the head of the femur like slips in half. I've never seen anything like it. And his left leg is two inches shorter than his right and he's got retroverted hips. So he's got no hip flexion extension or internal rotation. It's one of the craziest things I've seen. But his, uh, his main goal is he wants to get massive. And I was like, we need to do something with this. But it's literally just structure. He's had it since like a younger age, but it's getting worse with time. So we need to like improve the contractions around that joint and see what we can do with it. And hopefully it's something good. But as well, he wants to get massive. So it's a bit of a difficult one. Yeah, that, but that's, like, that's the interesting ones there because it's like, how do I get this person that main goal of getting huge, but then as a byproduct, potentially improve his quality of life and longevity of that joint because it sounds like there may be some degradation there that in 10 years might mean arthritis or a hip replacement or whatever else. And it's like, he may not realize that now he just wants to get jacked, but how will getting jacked impact that? And then how can you sneak some shit in? So like, oh yeah, while we're resting, we're just gonna do this. And it's like some lower body mobility stuff. And then it might be, oh, while we're doing this exercise, I'm just gonna throw this in there or superset this with that. And then that's where it gets like kind of quite fun because he'll be like, yeah, my shoulders are jacked. And he'll be like, yeah, your hips are safe. <laughs> that's it. Um, but yeah, I mean, we could literally can't do anything in terms of lower body because he hasn't got the, the hip flexion to get into things. So everything's got to be like from extended position. Luckily, we've got the Cybex recline abductor so we can play around with that. And yeah, it is fun having to play around, seeing what we can do and do it safely. Yeah. What, what's your thoughts with that one? Um, to just delve into that one a little bit more like because that's really into like i think ice isometrics and things like that like, that's it literally so i've just been progressing isometrics so starting off with the the tsi the low level stuff you know um four sets of four seconds and then just gradually um increasing it so we're on like three sets of 20 seconds now on literally just isometrics and then taking up the intensity so i'm, I'm telling him to like ramp it up as well rather than going from like one to seven straight away, just gradually build it up and then bring it back down in terms of tension because every time he like ramps up really fast, his hit like pops and clicks and I was like, oh, it's crazy. But um, yeah, it's just progressing in terms of intensity and the um, the isometrics how we were doing before. So, And then like you said before, literally supersets that we've been doing, so supersetting that stuff with upper body. 
yeah, that, that's, that's a really interesting case, man. You'll find as well, or you'll likely find that the improvements, like he probably wouldn't even notice the improvement, and then when you go and assess it in X amount of weeks or months, it's like, ah, oh, I, can, I can move a little bit more pain-free. It's like, ah, oh, you didn't notice that though, did you? Like, not until you asked me. <laughs> The supersetting with the upper body is really good as well, obviously, because that's giving him that little bit of what he wants and that little yeah. bit of what he needs. Um, but you can understand, as, again, from like the client's point of view, he's like, why the fuck are we doing these isometric things? Because like, it'll feel like so effortless. It'll feel kind of pointless almost to him, but like it's obviously not pointless. But yeah, it's, it's getting that right balance, isn't it, within the program, giving them a lot of what they want, but a lot of what they need as well. Yeah, and I think with that as well, it's our ability to explain why something's in there. So this is why, again, the assessment's so important because even though it's not the deal and end door, if someone says, why am I doing this? And I just say, ah, oh, just because. <laughs> That's, because I said so, like, what? I've seen it on Instagram. Yeah, I've seen it on Instagram, I've Googled it. But like, where you can say, oh, we went in the assessment, remember when we saw this discrepancy from left to right? Remember this little bit of pain here? That's potentially caused by this, this, and this. So. We're going to try this now for the next two, three, four, five weeks. We'll reassess and see if there's a difference. And if it doesn't work, then we've got this to try. But then just being able to explain your thought process in a way that they understand, it's like, well, hang on. Yes, I'm getting big or getting jacked. But then this guy's also taking into account what we saw in that assessment, which means that assessment wasn't a waste of time because we saw this and this is what the programming leads to. That's it. I mean, as long as everything's got like a relevant why and you can explain it, then that's it. Yeah. And I think, I can't remember who said it. I think earlier on in my career, someone said to me, if you can't explain why something's in the program, it probably shouldn't be in there. And yeah, that makes sense. With, yeah, it stuck with me. I can't remember who to give the credit to. But, uh, it stayed with me. And it's like, if, if I've got something in there, even if it's a tricep extension, and I've just put that in there because it's tricep extension, well, can I take that out and put something else in there because I do understand why it is in there. That's cool. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? But um, yeah, going back to like kind of assessments and things like that, this is just a personal question I've got for you, but well, not personal to you, but it's from it's me that wants to know, right? Um, basically, online clients, what do you do with them in terms of assessments? Yeah, online's a, a minefield, isn't it? Uh, in an ideal world, online clients will come down and see me at the gym but we don't always live in an ideal world. So again, like this is where the ongoing assessment thing comes into it. So try my best to guide people right via video. So like I'll send a video template of this is what I need from you. And it won't be in as much detail or depth as the in-person assessment goes into, but things like shoulder flexion, extension, um, hamstring flexibility, you can kind of gauge from a video assessment. And then it's kind of like just building a program based on that, again, to your best ability and then that first week or couple of weeks I'm really intensive with the video feedbacks so I'm like this is what potentially we see but then also as well sorry the questionnaire so the questionnaire and previous injuries things that they've noticed alongside and videos by that first initial phase but that first initial phase for online clients may be a little bit quicker or there's changes made quite frequently because it's like film these exercises feedback okay then we change this quickly film the next three exercises and then in the first say two maybe three weeks I've got their whole program on video of them performing certain movements and then we just assess together how did that feel how did that look was that okay did you feel it here did you get was you able to get this position here and it's like just making those initial tweaks to begin with but it is challenging at times 
um, to get the quality of video feedback and I'm like really specific in the way that I want things so I think after the first couple of times clients will know oh, this angle is what's needed or whatever else it may be. So do you give them like specific exercises each week like video this what's in the plan I want to see that and mm -hmm. see if we can progress it and improve it if there's anything going wrong with it? Yeah and I'll choose like the ones that will seem more challenging so like if there's a lot more of a compound movement um, involved and I'll be like choose that if there's a pressing movement I'm like I want to see this like the, the ones that are like our single joint stable I'll probably leave until the end and I'm like okay then we'll have this if we need to but yeah it's the bigger lifts or the main the more complex ones that I'd like to uh, delve into and dig into our first Do you ever get it where they're just com like performance are totally wrong even though you've given like valid instructions like what to do and they're just exceeding like passive ranges say they've only got so much like shoulder extension when they're getting into like a press and then they're going too far back or anything like that and, like or virtually launching weights and it's like what's going on it's just hard to get that the, the form and the technique you know over to someone but especially like tempos getting that solid stops and starts when it's online as well in person it's not too bad but online it's, it's hard to get that across yeah and this is why i like i quite utilize uh the zoom check-in so like similar to what we're doing now where we're face to face without being face to face and we'll go through the video together and i'll just pause it at a certain point and say can you see this part here can you see this position that the joints in we probably don't want that so next time just stop an inch or two more and then let me know how it feels and i always ask the question let me know how it feels because it gets them to actually think about and connect with uh, this portion of the range i can feel this whereas if i go a little bit further i don't feel it here anymore i feel it here instead and i'm like wait we want that first feeling because we want to stop or keep attention in this area here so that feedback is quite important but i like to do it if i can as close to in person as possible especially in the first couple of weeks thank you cool. we had simon dutton on the podcast the other week and he he, he rightly said of, of online clients it's very easy to get them to send you uh, send you a picture of them in their underwear but getting a form assessment is just like the, the, the hardest thing in the world apparently for them so like I, I think that can be a barrier to that it's like actually getting them to send that over because like James and I we recorded like some assessments as well so that we could send them over to like our online clients but the amount of times I've done that and I've just got like one back or nothing back or something like that and it's just like people don't seem to like that kind of stuff too much and then of course you've got the thing where some people might not have the confidence to actually record in the gym so something I've been utilizing with that is just like I say to them, if they're not confident to film in the gym just yet, send me like a voice note when you just come out of the gym and explain, you know, how did this movement feel? What did you feel on that one? And, you know, at least then we can get some sort of gauge on how things are going, get some sort of report on the session and then try and figure some stuff out from there. But yeah, it's definitely tough in the online world, I would say that. Yeah, and that, that's a really great point as well, because sometimes like the, the gym might be busy so they can't actually film or they might not be comfortable and confident enough and again i think that comes back to meeting the client where they're at because if that is the case then that will affect and impact programming so that's perfectly fine but then when we're asking why certain movements aren't in there i'm like okay then i don't know where you're at right now so we'll keep it our, our edge on the safe side more stability more output wherever else it may be and then when you're confident enough to get this video feedback or whatever I need to be able to progress, that's when we'll progress. But that, I think, that again, that's from like explaining to the client, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing, or this is why the plan is the way the plan is. 
and it's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with you being uncomfortable filming or not being able to film. However, for me to do my job appropriately, these are the things that I need. So like, it's kind of like a give and take and me in the middle kind of thing. But that's yeah. a really good point. That's cool. I mean, that's where like online training's progressed so much over the last couple of years, because we're doing things like this with clients. And then when you look at the bodybuilding side of things, is checking pictures, weight, there's your training program and nutrition program, and then just checking again next week. And it's just that. But with the online coaching now, it's just all like assessments, it's that community, all that kind of stuff like that. And it's just come on like so much over the last couple of years with everyone. Yeah, it's huge. And like, even for the bodybuilding side of stuff, I think it's really important. Like, I've got a client that's not exactly a bodybuilder, but um, going through the process, he had a massive discrepancy from left to right. He broke his collarbone here. And his pet development from one side to the other side was night and day. And if you were to apply that to bodybuilding, someone's going to step on stage or present a physique and they're in balance so much from left to right, then that's going to affect their presentation that they're going to get on stage, isn't it? So like, even from a bodybuilding standpoint, I think having an awareness of exercise execution, individual muscular development and everything else is going to be really important as well, isn't it? That's cool. I think someone that does do it really well is um, obviously Callum Raystrick. Like he's kind of got the balance of the bodybuilder sort of thing, but also he he, he knows how to work around a bit of stuff. He knows his mechanics. He's a really really intelligent guy. But then something that you notice with him, I've listened to a couple of podcasts he's been on recently, and he does get in the gym quite often with clients. He meets up with his clients as much as possible. So although it's online coaching, there's still that element where he he's like they're traveling to see him. They're you know seeing him in person, and you are getting that kind of personal touch, which. As much as online is great, like, I think it's still good to get that. And I often find myself inviting online clients in for sessions and things like that just so I can, just so I can see them in person and get a, good, a proper catch-up because it's easy to hide online as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah massively. Like, that's something that, especially being at the facility like I work at the moment, it's a great place to come in. So to convince someone to come down is not always that challenging, but it's, in my opinion, important to... Get that face to face, and not only from an assessment standpoint and seeing what's going on, but also from a relation relationship building standpoint. Like it helps you to connect with someone when you see them in person. Like it's it, it brings a completely different aspect and dynamic to the coaching relationship because you have like a level of closeness up there that when you say, "Oh, this is why we're doing this," because of what we saw when you came down, it's like, "Oh yeah, I understand," because I could feel that. Yeah, it's, cool. always good. it's always good to do that as much as much as possible. Anyway, I, I try and do it, but um, yeah, there's only so much you can do, I suppose. There, but it definitely, definitely helps big time, as you say, in the relationship building thing. If if you can get a, if you get a new online client and you get them in early, that's definitely going to help. But um, yeah, when you've got clients that are maybe like overseas, though, that starts to become a problem. Massively, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, any, if any of my couple in America are listening to this, this is why you've not been invited in for a session, unless you want to fly over. <laughs> oh, listen, we've had, not clients, but for the mentorship, we've had people fly from all over the world. America, and I was like, oh, so shots, and it's hats off to them, but it just taking them. There, there was that guy from Hawaii, um, when I came to the... Um, Jason. Practical. Yeah, he, he came all the way from Hawaii, so I mean, if he can make it, then anyone can. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no excuses, fly over <laughs> for a one-hour <laughs> Yeah, that's it, definitely. Um, right, where do you want to go with this now, or do you guys want to wrap that up? Um, 
we could go into like education or something like that if you want to do that. I mean, in terms of like where you've where you've learned on the stuff from. Obviously, Integra. That's how we met. What well, is there any other like courses that you've done that you found help with your career? Yeah, it's like mostly the the mentorship Integra, and I've done what I'm doing like a nurse nutrition course. But I was had so many different plans of different courses that I was planning to do and going to do, and I found Integra, and I'm still there like three years later. And I'm not sure when I'll emerge from that rabbit hole, but um, I'm enjoying just going through the process now and like every week or every other week I'm finding something that adds a layer of a layer of attention to my level of service and I'm like, you know, I didn't think of that or I didn't think of that kind of thing and it just keeps you like it's okay saying as a as a mentor to other PTs people can often assume, oh, you must know, you must know it all, or you must know a lot. And having conversations that we have in that group, it just kind of keeps you down to work because you're like, I know nothing, it's, it's crazy. Like you'll, you'll see Michael explain something in the way and you're like, scratching your head three days later, like what's happening here? So It's yeah. even what like Michael says, he's still learning as well. Everyone's still learning, even though Michael's probably like one of the smartest people in the UK when it comes to mechanics and he's just open and honest with it. He's the most humble person ever, isn't he? And it's just um, it's still on the journey just to learn. Yeah, so like for me, it's just, I think that's where my passion lies and I think I'm not going to try and fight against that. So however long I'm down this mechanics rabbit hole is however long I'm down this mechanics rabbit hole. Like, as Connor said, like, there's enough there to be able to get someone from point A to point B, whatever that may be. And then there, there are times where you'll need to delve a little bit deeper into certain topics when you might get a client that presents something specific. But I think following your passions is really important because if I was to go and learn about gut issues or gut health, like, yes, it might be beneficial, but I probably wouldn't retain a lot of that information because it's not something that I particularly enjoy. Like, it is beneficial. It does help people. But the, le the level of knowledge I do have now is enough to see me through. And if I don't have that, then I'll go and refer out to someone as a specialist. That's good. That's the thing we're learning. I mean, we're doing this new uh, nutrition course at the moment, um, just to like increase our knowledge of you know pro the programming uh, nutrition for our clients. But like exercise mechanics, that is always like the main thing that's going to be there because it, it just doesn't stop with that stuff, does it? So but, when, uh, when we do our client calls, and it's like we we have these calls set up so people come on and ask questions. Someone ask one question about something to do with like mechanics and me and James just sit there for an hour and it's like <laughs> no one else actually talks it's just like we're just like yeah and this and that and the next thing we're drawing on fucking Canva and top of machines and that and uh, they, they must enjoy it the people that watch it must enjoy it yeah that's what I mean and like if you're not passionate about that then your message probably won't come across in the same way and it's not to say that that's a, a good thing or a bad thing but I think just speaking on the things you're passionate about is really important and you'll draw towards you people that appreciate or are interested in the same things as you and when speaking about ideal clients like I there are people that wouldn't be my ideal client and I wouldn't I wouldn't be certain people's ideal coach and that's fine but the people that enjoy training or want to have something specific around training with their goal come on board because that's where we'll have fun exploring together like if you've got a limitation you may not be able to fix it whatever fix it may be but we'll have some fun exploring what's going on around this, what's happening and what we can potentially do. So for me, it's always about keeping it interesting. And I think you said something really like relevant to PTs. Um, 
and that's with like trying to go along and collect all the qualifications and certifications and because there's so many out there but there's loads there's some questionable ones but it's not about collecting qualifications just to add to your cv it's about expanding that knowledge and your ability to like apply it with people yeah. i think um i think you're wrong james i think you just go for the level four advanced pt and that's it i know it's the oh. level level four master pt right yeah <laughs> job's a good one that's it <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's all you need people have to forget as well like for us as personal trainers we are qualified to coach people yeah that is that is the extent of our qualification so it's great learning about other stuff like if you're interested that's great however from an insurance standpoint and from a qualification standpoint we are on gym floor because that's where our qualification that's where our expertise and that's where our insurance allows us to be so anything else is a great addition but it pays to be improving at the thing that you are actually qualified to do, which is deliver exercise and deliver safe exercise. So for me as a personal trainer, mechanics is a more natural route of progression because that's the thing I can have control over. I would say it's the first place most PTs should start is like a bit of mechanics. Once you've done your like, once you've done your normal like level three PT course and you're, you're all qualified, I'd probably say the best place to start is there because it's the stuff you're going to be able to apply straight away. Yeah, you'll be able, you, you can apply it with every client that comes through the door. Yeah, and even in the online world, like when things are going a little bit more online now, and people have access to more online stuff, but I believe like going through a phase of applying stuff in person allows you to then, over time, if you want to, start to apply things online. But it's a lot more challenging if you try to go straight online with absolutely no experience of, oh, this is how this looks in person, or this is how this moves or being hands-on for lack of a better term like that gives you the tools you need to be able to branch out if you want to to online if that's something where you go in that's one that always comes up in this podcast people trying to go oh yeah i've been training for about a year now i'm just going to be an online coach and see how that goes without no experience and, training and i want a bodybuilding show you need that as well is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there not some yeah. bodybuilding federation at one point they were giving out a like level three pt course or something as a prize i can't remember who it was yeah, I remember that. It was like UK BFF or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that was your prize if you won. You're now a PT. Well, you've now got the qualification to come a PT. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? It's bonkers. But yeah, like, for the people, at least in my opinion, for people that want to go online, I think it's always beneficial to have some experience or have an extensive experience on the gym floor because it just gives you an idea of what you're looking for online. Like, anyone... It's not difficult to diet someone down if that's what they want, like managing expenditure, managing input. You, you know what I always think about, something that um, Mark Coles actually said was like, right now, like I'm, I'm running a, a bit online, a bit of one-to-one, so doing a good balance of both, but with the one-to-one stuff, um, I'm thinking like, Mark says, be always be grateful to be paid to learn. And I feel like right now I'm getting paid to learn. Every time I'm in a session with someone like, it's benefiting me as much as it's benefiting them. Massively, massively. And like, I, I have a notebook on the edge of the gym floor and it's like, if I see something at the end of the set, when I'm telling to go and get a drink, I'm just writing a note, me. And then I know in my head, go and look at the knee or shoulder or this or that. And it's like, it, again, it gives you a chance to go and explore something, come back, apply it. And that's where you'll build a case study kind of thing. Because if somebody else comes in with a similar similar condition or similar symptoms, you're like, ah, oh, 
Jane had this, this is what we did. And it gives you a point of reference straight away. Like I've been fortunate enough or unfortunate enough to have a couple of people with uh, some AC joint injuries. So whenever, whenever anyone comes in with shoulder issues now, I'm like, ah, this is the movements or these are the muscles that we needed to get stronger for this person. That's a great starting point because that might save the next person six weeks of programming before we realize that's the issue. Do you not find that though? Like I find I get the same injury over and over again, like with clients. Like I'm not causing the same injury over and over again. Let's get that clear. They're coming to the same injury. I've I've had like um, three ACLs in the last year, and it's like once you've done it a few times, and once you've like read up on it, and you know, like as you say, you've got your case studies. The confidence is there. You kind of know what you're doing, but you've also got to watch that you don't become overconfident. Just be like, right, that's what I've done for so and so. That's what I'm doing for you. Yeah, and that that's like. It's a great point as well. It's a fine line between this is what I've seen versus this is the person in front of me. So like, yes, you might have an idea of this is what worked before, but you still got to be patient and go through the process of exploring every opportunity or every outcome. And again, that just takes time. Like my my uh, area that I get people now is just shoulders. Like I think it's because I've got bad shoulders myself. People must have just attract to me. Like yeah, I've got shit shoulders too. <laughs> I know, I wonder what happened then. <laughs> I thought I froze. <laughs> I know, I thought I, thought I paused it. Um, no, I'm still going. But yeah, I mean, hopefully I don't get too many people with that epiphysis thing in the hips. That'd be the crazy oh. one. But um, but yeah, I mean, like shoulders, knees, knees is a common one, especially um, like patella tendonitis. That's all the time we get that with clients. And was like, how, uh, because they've not like done much training before. And obviously if you're not training like the correct way and exposed to forces and you know brook forces and i'm thinking how has this like occurred over time without like training but it's just working that stuff out and having to play around especially like it's just tendon issues all the time with the knees and a lot of time as well when people are quote unquote gen pop it's just going to be their week so a program that gets them stronger gets them stable will often kind of have positive results in terms of Improving pain or improving movement, range of motion, quality of life, etc. So, I think like with a lot of people, it's literally just training them from a stable environment and then getting them stronger. And it's like a lot of free to walk. My laptop was about to die there, by the way. That's why I was running away. Yeah, I wondered what happened. I was like, where's he gone? <laughs> yeah, it was like literally ready to die there. So I thought, fuck, we better not lose this podcast. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think uh, we've taken up enough of your time as it is, Jude, anyway. So, um, yeah, I think it's a good time to kind of wrap it up at that. But, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for coming on, Jude. That was uh, an interesting one. Yeah, man. Cheers for having me, man. Cheers for having me. Yeah, man. Appreciate it.